I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? This is Danica. As you probably assumed after seeing the episode title, this isn't a full episode. Unfortunately, there will be no Mulan this week. Uh, Due to the whole coronavirus issue, the live-action Mulan's been delayed, ruining the schedule I had set up, and additionally, due to some sudden and unexpected family issues, uh, my dear co-host mom is currently out of town and unavailable to record. So uh, no regular episode this weekend, possibly not next week either. Instead, I'd like to share two things with you. Uh, The first is a little playlist that I've been working on for the better part of a week. Uh, You see, I've noticed that, uh, particularly in the 90s, there was a certain sort of song that animated film producers loved to put in their movies, usually in the credits. These songs tend to have a certain general tempo and beat to them that lead me to label them as pop ballads. Uh, This trend, as far as I can tell, actually started with Don Bluth's An American Tale, whose pop ballad version of Somewhere Out There ended up reaching number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. It also received two Grammys. Uh, He then included a pop ballad in his next two films as well, The Land Before Time and All Dogs Go to Heaven. When Disney followed suit with Beauty and the Beast and the track of the same name in 91, it sealed the deal for them and all the studios who wanted to be like them in the 90s. That's how we ended up with 55 songs in this vein made between 1986 and 2002, and I'm not even confident that I found them all. So if you want to hear a buttload of cheesy, mostly 90s pop ballads, then you can go to bit.ly slash animated pop ballads Spotify, or for the more complete and accurate experience, take off the word Spotify and just go to bit.ly slash animated pop ballads for the YouTube playlist. Unfortunately, Spotify was missing a lot of the songs, and in some cases I could only find incorrect versions like karaoke performances. Um, so I definitely recommend the YouTube playlist more. Again, that's bit.ly slash animated pop ballads, or if you prefer Spotify, just add that word to the end of the link. Now, the last thing I want to do is introduce you to what the rest of this episode's going to be. As longtime listeners may remember, our original second episode ended up getting corrupted. Uh, so what we aired instead was the intended third episode, Cinderella Remake. Now, unfortunately, the Cinderella 2 and 3 episode is still corrupted, but I was able to recover a portion of it. Um, and the, the first 20 minutes or so of it. Um, and I'd like to share that portion with you if you're interested, if, if not, you know, you can feel free to stop the episode now, but otherwise keep on listening because those 20 ish minutes are the rest of this episode after this whole intro segment. Um, so thank you all for listening and thank you for being understanding during this unexpectedly difficult time. Uh, normal episodes should resume in the next week or two, um, though we will be skipping Mulan for now um, until I find out when that remake's actually coming out. Um, the next actual episode will be one involving Tanukis, the environment, and the inescapable march of time. We'll see you then. Hello, and welcome to How Does It Hold Up? The podcast where we watch movies, talk about them, and ask the question, how's it hold up? I'm Danica, a lesbian trans woman, aspiring author, and animation enthusiast. And this is my mom, Jan. I'm a high school AP English teacher and author of the published thesis, Transfigured Women Gamers. 
And today we are talking about the Cinderella sequels, the Disney Cinderella sequels. Yes. Um, because there's two, if, if you don't know. Uh, they're Cinderella 2 Dreams Come True and Cinderella 3 A Twist in Time. Um, and judging, if you haven't seen them, judging by those names, you might already be making assumptions about which of those is the better one. And you might be wrong. <laughs> um, so, um, how you doing today, Mom? Good. Very good. Good, good, good. Um, let's, uh, let's actually get into our initial reaction to, okay. to watching, to watching these movies without really getting into it. Just what was, let's talk about first dreams come true. What's your initial feel on that one not a fan (laughs) and since you've already alluded to the fact that there are three parts i haven't oh you haven't no well there are three parts (laughs) (laughs) it's okay that was we were talking about that before we started recording don't worry about it and i would just like to say my initial impression is the first part bearable Uh uh-huh the second part unbearable (sighs) and the third part enjoyable yeah yeah i think i generally agree i'd probably describe the first part as a boring but yes bearable um yeah i think i think i'd I'd have to agree with that it it wasn't as as a whole um at least with my initial reaction i wouldn't necessarily recommend the movie and if you really want to watch it just skip to that third part it's the one that's the most worthwhile part absolutely and i have a lot of thoughts let's come back to that third part because since when we look at our assessment of the Cinderella 3, mm-hmm. A Twist in Time, yes. isn't that the name of that? Yeah. If that to me was also, I would, my initial impression was just bearable, but uh-huh. I think, but it was a little, it was between bearable and enjoyable. Okay. And okay. I think that it could have been much more enjoyable if there had been some carryover. Some care. Oh, between two and from three. Between two and three, oh. the third part of two. Yeah, if we, that we had can been a major more. Yeah, yeah. Which like, I know we'll get to in spoilers. Definitely. Um. Yeah, and I think, I think it's safe to say that the chronology of these three movies, including the first one, is a little unclear. Yes. <laughs> yes. The 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 second two definitely take place after the first one. But it's not clear that the third one takes place after the second one, or considers the second one to have happened. I'm not. I'm not sure what's happening because with that. the only, the absolutely only inclination I got that there was any connection, especially with one of the the best elements of the second one, yeah. was in the paintings yeah. in the credits. Exactly, and then of, also that one lady who was introduced. In exactly. The second. But okay. So that's our initial reaction. Uh, oh, I, I guess I didn't say. Um, I think generally I enjoyed the third one a lot more. Than, not necessarily more than I expected because I've heard rumblings on the internet that the Cinderella 3 is surprisingly enjoyable. But I, I enjoyed it. Um, I would... My initial reaction is that I would probably be more likely to actually want to watch that than even the first one. Even if I don't think it's necessarily a better movie. Does that make sense? Mm. Yes. I can't say that I concur. I was getting that sense. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is I would say that the the third one, Twist in Time, again, w- was more enjoyable than not, hmm. but not nearly as enjoyable as the first. Sure. All right. The original. 
and okay. it didn't feel classic Disney. Oh sure, no, uh, yeah, I can, I get that at all. Okay, all right. So that's our initial reaction. Let's get specific, um, specifically about the animation. Okay. Um, let's talk. Let's like we just did. We'll start with Cinderella two and then go to Cinderella three. So, yeah, initial impressions of of the general animation for Cinderella two dreams come true. Definitely. A, it was nice having the same characters, but I did not enjoy the animation as much at all, especially there was not the quality of even the use of shadows. There was also some very blaring disproportion animation mm-hmm. that bothered me immensely. I felt like the, the Grand second, Duke looked bad a lot. <laughs> the Grand Duke looked bad and I don't want to spoil, but when some, can I, can I talk about Jasper? Yeah, you can when say he be- or, when he became yeah the yes. when he became not a mouse yeah because the second uh, y- yes I guess let's briefly there's three segments of Cinderella two dreams come true the first one is basically Cinderella dealing with a lady who wants her to be a proper princess or whatever the second one Jock the 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 mouse ends up having magic shenanigans with the fairy godmother and becoming a human and stuff happens. And then the third one is about the evil stepsister uh, Anastasia, um, and find and her potentially finding love and, and stuff like that. Uh, so that's the general idea of what those three things are, because they're they're yeah, those are what those so, three are. So the second one, the and sorry, I did say Jasper, but I meant oh you Jacques. did. I, I meant to say <laughs> somehow Jacques. I knew who you were talking about. Even though I meant to say Jacques. No, so and I'm saying that correct. Jacques, yeah, I think yeah. so. So when Jacques became a human, his face proportions were so out of proportion to Cinderella. <laughs> and in that whole second segment, Cinderella's head and face and was so out of proportion. She and the prince, to anyone else, it was very unsettling and very blaring to me. Are you it saying made that it, it detracted. they looked different or just... They're head proportions to the head proportion comparatively because they were in fairly close proximity in those scenes and it was very strange it was very it just bothered me it it detracted it it detracted from the whole the whole experience because it it was just such a strange different proportion yeah it was it was odd I I, I agree yeah I think the animation so this the what Cinderella 2 Dreams Come True is is a special kind of Disney sequel where it is three episodes of a canceled TV show strung into one movie with interstitials and it felt like it um but also it felt like it in that the animation isn't amazing it's TV animation though admittedly it's a lot better than a lot of previous Disney sequels that were going to be TV animation. It 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 definitely looks nicer than than say Return of Jafar or the awful Bell movie and, and some of the or the Atlantis one. Uh than some of those that just look really bad. It at least the basic art style looks okay, but then the actual animation will just look weird and wonky sometimes. I would agree. I would agree. And Yes, and it. But again, there was not the richness of just color. There yeah. was not the depth. 
I think. I don't know if that's correct. No, to it just say, felt but really. Maybe the use it of felt shadows. bright and over. It felt uh, not br- bright and over um, saturated. Okay. Like really, yeah. Yes. It felt. It, you're right. It didn't feel deep. It felt really f- the flat. Animation felt flat. Almost flat. Yeah. Yes. I'd yes. agree. Yes. Almost. Yeah. Just. And then I didn't like many of the choices. Even for example, in the first segment, mm-hmm. I didn't. Okay, I understand that Cinderella wanted to be herself, but her choice in clothes, in con, it just it didn't make sense. It didn't yeah. make sense that that you would be dressed like you were when you were abused in in an. Yeah, I don't know. It was strange. Yeah, I just I that didn't seem. I don't know. That just seemed very. A just strange choice. Yeah. And then especially the huge contrast from when she was in the castle and doing her own thing to when she went out in public. Yes. Yeah. It was like an extreme version of someone sitting around at home in in like sweats and and a ripped up dirty t shirt and then going out in public (laughs) and being in a gown going to the opera. It was like, okay. Really? There's that? We're going to, in an animation, show that sharp of a contrast? It was. Uh, I don't know if I felt that quite of a contrast, but it was interesting when she went into town, um, the way, some of the ways that she was animated and also kind of the way that her outfit looked reminded me of Belle from Beauty and the Beast more than Cinderella. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I can see that. Yeah, which is just weird because, yeah, that she's not Belle, so it just is strange that she felt like it. And the funny thing is she supposedly was going incognito. Well, that's how she had been presented. And wouldn't that be how she would have looked? Did she never go to town before she went to the castle? Didn't she know all these town people? Isn't that kind of contradictory? So wouldn't they immediately recognize her? So confused. So early in that first segment, she's like waves to the townsfolk outside the gate. And apparently knows them and is friends with them, which makes sense from the standpoint that she is friendly and makes friends with people, but doesn't make sense from the standpoint that from what we know of her in the first movie, she doesn't really leave the house a whole lot. Like, I guess she probably goes out and gets groceries sometimes and that's how she meets people. But it's just introduced as like this this de facto thing that we it's when it's not actually a thing that's Especially been introduced like the child before. like oh yeah, like parting from her as chi- if they were just child exactly as if they were just almost as if you know bell how she was known by the town and yeah. she went around that, except she's not thought of as a weirdo exactly exactly but she was not so cinderella my thought is going back to the incognito though sure. so if we're going to go with the premise that she was kind of the servant for the family and she did go out and she did buy all their groceries and bring them back. In that sense, the town would have known her, but they never established that. So that's kind of strange. That was too forced of a connection of the townspeople in that beginning scene. Mm -hmm. But then what I'm saying, which makes it almost comical that then when she goes, was it the third segment when she goes incognito to the, to the town, Based on the first segment, they would have recognized her yeah. because she doesn't look any different than any yeah. very strange. Maybe it was she was supposed to be incognito for the guards or whatever oh, if they okay, saw her leaving. Possibly. That's the only thing that makes sense, but it wasn't clear. So, um, okay, so that's Cinderella 2, but let's also talk about Cinderella 3. What do you think of its animation? 
I th- definitely uh, more dynamic. Definitely didn't feel as flat. And, and the and lots of use of color. But disappointingly, in comparison to the original Cinderella, it just wasn't as powerful. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was not as compelling. It Again, it didn't capitalize on the, those use that use of darks yes. versus lights, shadow, especially foreshadowing yes. with a, a tense scene. Yes. So, I mean, just that use of, of showing good and evil other mm-hmm. than with the color green. Yes. Yeah, they definitely made lots of use of the color green for the evil magic that, that Lady Tremaine did. I, I would definitely agree. Like, it was an obvious step up from Cinderella 2 because it, is a movie not a tv show um but it definitely it doesn't necessarily feel flat but it doesn't feel it's not a big budget disney animated movie it i mean it's made by the secondary studio that makes disney sequels and and television shows and that's it's very good for that standard but compared to to Cinderella the original it's not it's clearly not on the same level I would there's, agree there's definitely instances of like doing of of using really good animation like I thought Lady Terrain's expressions were way better than how she looked in, in two her facial expressions were terrible in two and they're um, one of my favorite uh, facial emotion parts was um, when they're on that beautiful bridge um, and Cinderella's in, uh, say, introducing herself to the prince in the hopes that he's going to recognize her, you know? Yeah. And then he he mentions Anastasia and, like, the, the facial expressions that Cinderella goes through of, like, confusion, heartbreak, horror, like, all of it, I feel is animated very well. So, like, there's definitely... There's definitely effort, it feels like, put into this in a way that wasn't necessarily true of two, but it's definitely not, like masters of their craft craft creating a work of art like cinderella the first one was and i would agree and that scene that you just alluded to given the fact that again cinderella's face and the prince's face are very simplistic yes in comparison to lady tremaine yes. or or the king or the grand duke just like not much other than eyes, nose, mouth. Yeah. I think they did a really good job in capturing those emotions because I think so they too. didn't they didn't have And an interesting note is actually so the original Cinderella, they recorded a lot of the stuff in live action and then animated based on that to try to capture a realness of, of movement and stuff like that. Oh wow. That did. didn't happen with Cinderella too. But it did happen with Cinderella three. I'm not sure to what extent it was it was filmed in live action, but they definitely did have segments that they filmed in live action to use as reference to try to help m- enhance that realism of the character of the human character's movement. And you it, you could definitely feel that they they moved more realistically than they did in two. Oh, that's amazing! I did not know that. That's I'm glad you brought that out because it was it didn't it just was. You just, it was easier to feel the emotions and to get caught up in it because there wasn't something detracting. I didn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't put my finger on it in the second sure. in Cinderella 2, but now that just you mention off. it, then that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's the animation. We got our general feel there. So how about the story and the characters, specifically for 2? We'll start there. What What do you think of 2's story? Um, I'm sorry, what story? No. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> there in the first segment, the reason I think I said it was bearable is because 
there wasn't much of a story, but yeah, it, there really was. But it was not so blaring that it that there was nothing enjoyable about it. There sure. were some moments that, and overall, it wasn't just like, but it was boring. It was boring, and there wasn't much to it. And I and at this point, until we talk more, I honestly can't put my finger on moments that were really enjoyable because <laughs> there there just wasn't much substance. Agreed. Um, no, I don't know if I have any notes that were good. <laughs> um, Second segment, just. Uh, it it just did not it it just didn't make sense and there no. was so much kind of shenanigans and slapstick that I don't find funny the, and I and the it's pom-pom, just the the new cat the palace cat is named Pom Pom I think annoying and she all of her stuff is boring exactly like it's not entertaining it it's like a a, a sad copy of Lucifer yeah and it wasn't it, it's not kind of copycat kind of shenanigans but haha i didn't (laughs) actually i didn't mean to make that but but not and two is who does pom-pom belong to that's never clear (laughs) because the only person that picked her up at one point was the archduke but he didn't even like pet her so was she just the palace cat i don't very strange because who who was her owner i have no idea that was kind of strange and then then the third segment I did enjoy. I very much enjoyed yes. the third segment. The the segue to it though was atrocious. You know, so they have this, the interstitial scenes, which the basic plot of that is that the fairy godmother told them the story of Cinderella, but Jack and Gus missed it, and now they want to hear more stories. So they're making a book of stories, and that's then that's why they're talking about these three segments. They're the stories. Um, so the inter, the segue into the third part is like they use some magic to make the book some and some mild shenanigans happen and it kind of gets messy and then the fairy godmother makes it stop and and uh, they're all like oh what a mess and then jock is like yeah what a mess like remember that time that anastasia fell in love what (laughs) we're like uh what it's like huh (laughs) yeah good one guys that was real smooth i really I really know. got us to that. Yeah. So Ugh. very, very awkward and yeah. and didn't make sense. No, it was it was poorly done. But the actual segment itself, I think, overall was good. I have a little bit more critique for it when we get to the spoiler section. But I think, I mean, overall it was enjoyable. I will say this to preface and not to spoil. But if the, the third segment had been the Anastasia three, a twist in time had been an expansion. Uh. I would have absolutely enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I would have absolutely enjoyed yeah. Anast- I mean, Cinderella three Yeah, because that was out of, out of both of those movies, mm-hmm. that third segment in the, in Anastasia, I'm sorry, I keep saying Anastasia. Sorry, Cinderella. that's this. I know. Anastasia well, is, is the sister. Uh, but well, one yeah. of the sisters. The other one is Drizella, I think. Exactly. Yeah. But if if in Cinderella two, that that third segment right. had been expanded or really had been expanded, yeah, and had been the basis for Cinderella three, mm-hmm. I would have absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it, and that's I think fair. it had more substance and could have carried 
that storyline because sure. I just feel like because and and there's some elements that they could have made it work mm-hmm. along with the story they used is what I'm saying right, and, right, that, right. and then it would have been really enjoyable because anyway then I think I would have enjoyed it but so the first and second it's just not memorable well the second was memorable in the worst of ways that's true I hated that one <laughs> um it started off boring and then it just got inane. Um, and then, yeah, the third one is, is fun. So, uh, but how about the characters in, in two, which admittedly almost all of them are characters we already know, but I guess for one, is the Godmother, is fair Godmother just like hang out in the castle? Like what's her deal? It was like, she was, it's like she was a grandmother yeah, to the mindset She just lives there, everyone. which is weird. Because exactly. why? Why but does she just live there? But the funny thing is we don't, we don't see any connection with her and the king and the prince. It was no. a strange relationship that seemed to be displayed in in Cinderella 2. Between, what I mean is I saw next to no interactions with Cinderella and the prince. Yeah, or no. Cinderella and the king. No. And, then, and then Cinderella still, still seemed to be just kind of in her own little world. And then, of course, it seemed like the fairy godmother was the grandmother of not only, I guess, kind of Cinderella, but more with all the little animals. Sure, sure. And they kind of hung out in a room. So yeah, I don't know. It, I'm not quite sure how that worked. That was baffling. But I, so, and then there was no, to me, there was no character development. There was no oh, growth well, other than with Anastasia. Right. And that was delightful. But there was really nothing new or any really growth with there was that new Cinderella there was that no with Cinderella no there was as far as like new characters there's of course pom-pom the cat who's boring as heck and then there was that lady that and the handmaidens that are introduced in the first segment and they're also like she's a stereotypical like you need to do things a certain way or it's not proper and the handmaidens had no real personality except I would like to note that when Cinderella and uh, the other handmaiden started dancing with the one that was in blue, she seemed to really enjoy it. And I'm just going to headcanon that she's gay. Hmm? I'm just okay. going okay. to stick with that I, one. I think that's fair. Yeah? That's fair. <laughs> one thing I will say about the lady, and I can't even remember her name, that was the main, it was the main <laughs> mistress that was supposed no to be training Cinderella, is that her conversion was way too quick right because she was pretty much way too quick literally into that final segment literally into it and and then here's another strange thing i guess back to the back to the animation or the i don't know the care the animation choices or design choices her hair this is what's strange is she had the same kind of outfit the same very proper or stifled hair you know bun hair up and then strangely at the ball her dress and then her hair kind of with pieces out that was strange because that was very uncharacteristic of anything we had ever seen of her and then that conversion boom boom all of a sudden happened and she was yes let's give cinderella all the credit and right you know yeah just and and then was a big cinderella fan was a big cinderella fan This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 279-0566. 
Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening.